You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment and another week of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, and please remember to follow Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Megaphone, and Spotify. And ladies, if you are listening to this podcast and you are a mother, let me just take the time to say happy belated Mother's Day to you. As not only a single child, but as a young man who grew up and who was raised by his mother and his grandma I always say where would I be without a mother's love and I'm pretty sure you guys can attest to that as well so mothers if you are out there listening to this podcast once again happy belated birthday we might not tell you every single day but we really 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 do appreciate you we love you and we are thankful to have you in our lives And on today's show, we will begin another week of crossovers here on Locked On Texans. This week, we will be taking a trip up north to the AFC North, and we're going to start with the host of Locked On Ravens, Mr. Kevin Allstrikers. But before we get into all that good stuff, I just want to remind you guys that this episode is brought to you in part by Built Bar. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are looking for a great way to get your protein or or just something that can help you get that healthy snack or healthy breakfast treat, Built Bar is the way to go. And I'm a living witness. Every single morning, I start my day off with a Built Bar, most noticeably with my favorite flavor, banana nut bread. And boy, does it get me going. I know you guys have been hearing a lot about Built Bar over the past couple of days. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know what all the fuss is about, I am encouraging you to give it a try when you place your first order at BuiltBar.com. Remember, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. And we are back here with another crossover edition of Locked On Ravens and Locked On Texans. Kevin Ostreicher here with Cody Davis And Cody, this is a great episode for me to be talking with you, first of all. I think the Texans, they have a pretty strong team, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what happened during the offseason. So how are you doing today, first of all? I'm doing good, man. Just trying to stay safe during these uncertain times. Um, You know, the same as you and everyone else, you know, just trying to stay safe. How are you doing today? Yesterday was Mother's Day, as a matter of fact. Did you actually get a chance to spend time with your mom, grandma, or whoever? Yeah, it was it was a beautiful time to be able to spend time with my mom. Um, I, I hope you were able to do the same. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why oh, I'm actually good. so late recording. I I had to um you know spend time with my mom. Then uh, watch part seven and eight of the Jordan documentary. So oh, thank man. you for waiting for me. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Hey, Jordan documentaries. It, it, it's it's a crazy thing. It can bring some people together. But Cody, I want to start by asking you. About the Texans offseason, as I kind of alluded to, because the Texans, you know, they're losing to the Chiefs in the playoffs, so that kind of starts their clock. And it seemed like they were in good position to add during the offseason, but DeAndre Hopkins, it seems to be the move that everybody's talking about with Bill O'Brien being the coach and the general manager. 
most people were not on board with the decision to trade DeAndre Hopkins to the Houston, to the Arizona Cardinals, excuse me, for <laughs> a second round pick. And David Johnson was pretty much the gist of the deal. How did you feel about it? Um, do you want the fan reaction first or do you want the analyst reaction? Well, let's go analyst reaction first. Okay, analyst reaction. Look, it was it was tough. It was tough seeing that DeAndre Hopkins were getting traded. I mean, I can give you the quick story. I actually woke up. I believe the trade happened on a Monday, um, a couple weeks before the draft, and I woke up and I got I got the news that the Texans were actually shopping Hopkins around for some draft picks, and I'm just thinking to myself, well, I'm pretty sure this is just one of those. Um, stupid rumors that you hear, you know, the draft is coming up and, you know, knowing the Texans, they want to make some kind of moves. I, I didn't pay too much attention. And two hours later, I see the Houston Texans have traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson and um, a second round draft pick. So at first I didn't understand it, but when I'm looking at this team and I, I, I was able to look at this from two perspectives. There is the financial perspective of this trade, and then there is the team perspective as well. Let me start with the team perspective. Um, let's just say ever since 2015, 2016, when DeAndre Hopkins was really starting to make a name for himself in his league, the Texans offense always revolved around him. It was always give the ball to Hopkins, let him do his thing. Give the ball to Hopkins, let him go to work. And we saw that a lot, and a lot of times that made the Texas offense kind of stagnant because you knew where the ball was going to and what Hopkins was going to do, especially when you go back to that 2018 season where he did not drop a pass. And it's understandable because he's arguably, if not the best, no lower than the second best receiver in the league. But when you have a great talent like that, that gives your team a sense of comfortability to – no matter what's going on, we're always going to have that guy on the field to create something for us. Bill O'Brien always talked about how he always wanted to make the Texans offense more diverse. And he mentioned that a lot last season. And I don't know about my co-host, John, but last year when I was watching some of these games, Hopkins, there was, there was, a, certain, there was a few games where Hopkins did not get as many targets. I remember, I think it was the playoff game against the Bills. Something it was it has something to do with a play being called and the play Hopkins wasn't happy with the play and you can tell by his body language something wasn't right and you know Bill O'Brien always say he wanted to make this offense more diverse the only way you can make the Texans offense more diverse is if you subtract arguably the best talent on the field now I know that sounds stupid in the long run but look not only did you get a chance to bring in a guy like David Johnson you also got you also went on and signed Randall Cobbs and Brandon Cooks. Those two signings alone, it's not like you have one guy to replace Hopkins, but you now have multiple guys who can replace what Hopkins brought to the field. You look at this Texans offense right now, you have Cooks, Fuller, Steele, and um, and Cobb. You have those four, four receivers now you have multiple guys, not just one. You have multiple guys who can go out and create plays for you. And you also got to take a look at the backfield. 
You know what Duke Johnson was able to do. Now you bring in a guy like David Johnson. If David Johnson can at least give you half of what he gave you, gave Arizona in 2016, this Texans offense is going to look a lot better and it's going to actually look a lot dangerous. And the only thing that's the only thing that could stop this team is health. Because you look at a guy like Will Fuller, he's arguably going to be our number one receiver heading into the season. If he can stay healthy, I already mentioned David Johnson, this offense is going to be a lot better. I know that's, you know, kind of pushing pushing it, knowing the talent that we gave up, but sometimes you have to give up something good in order to reach that next level. And Bill O'Brien always stated he wanted a most diverse team, and he, he did it. Yeah, a move that not many were expecting. And again, you're right. You can't argue the talent that Hopkins is. But you're right. If David Johnson can come back and have that form he had a couple years ago, that's going to help them significantly throw in those receivers you mentioned. And if it all clicks for them, they could be a team that people might be looking off right now that could really come back. And people midseason will be saying, well, why did we ever write these guys off? But, Cody, (laughs) I next want to talk to you about the draft, the Texans did not have a first-round pick, but they had a second, and they selected Ross Blacklock with it. With Blacklock and the rest of the Texans' draft class, how do you think they made out? Um, Honestly, I think the Texans came out pretty good. Um, Going into the draft, Bill O'Brien had a press conference that I was able to sit in on, and he talked about how much he wanted to improve the defense. Now, I'm pretty sure you knew Ever since we got J.J. Watt back in 2012, I believe it was, the Texans have always had one of the top defensive teams in the league, especially when you brought in Jadavion Clowney. Last last year, well, which was in August of 2019, you traded Clowney the week before the season started, and it showed our front seven looked a lot weaker. J.J. Watt is getting up there in age, and not only that, he's, you know, He's always getting hurt, unfortunately. And you take a look at three out of his last four seasons. This guy has has played no more than eight regular season games. I mean, yes, he came back in the playoffs, but he not being 100% healthy still has an effect on his team. You also got to take a look at when we lost our nose tackle, tackle DJ Reader to Cincinnati in, in free agency. There was a lot of holes that this team needed to fill, not only going into the 2020 season, but beyond, you know, building beyond looking into the 2021, 22 seasons, you bring in a guy like Blacklock. He is going to be the foundation of taking over that front seven, seven, especially once you know, okay, JJ Watt is no longer the all pro MVP caliber player that he once was. And we all, we all starting to feel out here in Houston that JJ Watt, career is starting to come to an end so we knew that we needed to find somebody who can at least take the throne once he's gone not only that 2019 as I mentioned with Jadavion Clowney not being there it left a hole to field a big void to field at the edge rush position you bring in a guy like Jonathan Grenard he is by far my favorite pickup that the Texans was able to draft this year and I do believe he might be the best prospect that the Texans picked in this year's draft. So those two guys alone is going to be the new foundations of the Texans defense. Now, yes, of course, that comes with them having the opportunity and having the ability to adjust to the NFL game, especially this year 
Um, there's still a lot of question, questions surrounding if or when the Texans and the players are going to be able to practice in the facility. But once they get their legs under it, they're going to be the future of the Texans defense. And once again, I, I loved it. Not only that, they actually went out and got a guy who can help improve the offensive line. And then it also got actually went out and drafted a wide receiver by the name of Isaiah Coulter. You might not be familiar with him, but ever since the Texans drafted him, I actually did a chance to do some field study on him, him, um, myself, and uh, my co-host, John. And we actually like what we see. We feel like he's going to be one of those dominant the rough type of draft picks. So overall, if you ask me to give the Texans a grade, I would give them a grade of B, only due to the fact I was kind of upset that they traded um, their all three of their seven-round draft picks. I mean, a lot of people's like, well, it's the seventh round. Who cares? You never know who you can find in the draft, so. Yeah, for, for the Texans, I thought they made out pretty well also. Obviously not having a first pick because of that Laramie Tunsil trade. But again, you mentioned Blacklock and Greenard and Isaiah Coutier as well. I think the Texans made out very well. But finally here, Cody, before we head into our break, I wanted to talk about last year, 2019's matchup. In a game that I was not expecting to be as much of a blowout as it was, 41-7 to in favor of the Ravens. Now, the Ravens travel to Houston this time. What has to go different for the Texans in order to have a chance against the Ravens? That's a good question. Um, first and foremost, what hurt the Texans that game, we lost momentum when the ref robbed us from a touchdown that you, that DeAndre Hopkins should have had, or was it an interference? I can't remember what it was, but it was a little bit of controversy going mm-hmm. on in that first quarter. I believe it was an interference. Yeah. But um, the only thing we have to do is stop the run. Um, I, be- I remember that game. You guys killed us on the run. I don't have the stats with me right now, but when we faced y'all in 2019, you guys killed us on the run, which brings, brings me back to my point. We needed guys from the front seven, especially on that edge position, to fill in the void that a guy like Jadavion Clowney would have at least helped or contained. I mean, at this point, Lamar Jackson is such on another level. I mean, hell, we're watching the Jordan documentary right now and – just like there's no answer to stop Michael Jordan, there's no answer to stop Lamar Jackson. All you can do is just contain him for maybe a quarter or a half or possibly the game, if, if you know, depending on if they are at least half of the, of, of the player that, that makes them that MVP caliber. But this year, our front seven is going to be better. I don't know if it's going to be better to the point where we're going to be able to stop your guys' run game because I'm putting a lot of pressure and a lot of hope into Blacklock and Grenard. Second game of the season, I don't think it's going to be enough. That is one of the few games I actually have the Texans losing, and I know you guys are going to come with a whole bunch of heat in 2020. Yeah, for for the Ravens, I mean, with the Texans' improved front seven, obviously I think DJ Reader's a big loss in there. But again, they addressed it by adding Blacklock. And I think that, you're right, the Ravens, they had experience and they had the ability to beat the Texans on the ground. The stats in there were the Ravens carry the ball 37 times for 256 Mm -hmm. yards. That's an average of 6.9 yards per carry. So when you're giving up almost seven yards a carry, you're most likely going to lose the game, and that's what (laughs) happened to the Texans. But I think the momentum shift in the first quarter with that interference call, I think it did have a small, if not a big, 
part to play in this final score of that game. But we're going to head into our break now, and when we return, we're going to flip the script, and Cody's going to be asking me questions about the Ravens, so stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty, not none of that bland, no-flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine, but it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get it a little bit healthier. Flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein, 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Locked On Texans, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Kevin Allstriker here from Locked On Ravens. And Kevin, boy, you know, the Ravens are, <laughs> they are an interesting team heading into 2020. And I'm going to start with, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Lamar Jackson. Last year, this is a guy who won MVP in Kevin, I, I have to ask you, how much better can Lamar Jackson get? heading into this new season? Well, you know, that can be a scary question. But honestly, I think Lamar Jackson can get even better heading into the 2020 season. This is a guy who is still extremely young, still learning the nuances of playing at the professional level, playing a sport he's been playing since childhood. A uh, funny fact, and I guess a fun one, is Lamar Jackson is actually younger than Joe Burrow. But with the two years of experience under his belt, I think that has really helped and shaped him as professional athlete especially within the NFL now the whole I guess aura around Lamar Jackson the negative one is that uh, well he's never won a playoff game he doesn't show up when the big games count he's never going to be able to get to the Super Bowl well I think he just has to learn a bit more no guy is going to come in and you know absolutely dominate the league to the point where they can win a Super Bowl very rarely does that happen it has happened before Ben Roethlisberger is a guy who came in and did that but quarterbacks like Drew Brees Peyton Manning they didn't have a ton of playoff success when they first got there. For Lamar Jackson, he made such an effort to get from where he was in year one to year two. He put in the work in the offseason. He really improved in a bunch of different areas. I mean, you look at his footwork, his accuracy, being able to get out of bounds and not take those unnecessary hits. We've heard Michael Vick talk about how if he had just taken a few less of those unnecessary hits, maybe he could have played a few more years at a high level. Lamar Jackson was actually the leading passer from the pocket in 2019, something he doesn't get a lot of credit for. You hear Lamar Jackson, and some people will go off and say, oh, he's a running back. He can't throw. He can't. He's not a quarterback. He's all this other negative stuff. Well, Lamar Jackson had 36 touchdowns and six interceptions in 2019, and that's along with having over 1,200 yards on the ground and seven more scores. The offense suits him. He got better weapons. The Ravens drafted Devin Duvernay and James Prochet in the draft. Plus, they have guys like Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle at the tight end position. They have a four-headed monster running back. I honestly think this guy's the limit for Lamar Jackson. 
Mm. You know, you know, talking about Lamar Jackson, yes, I mean, he had a remarkable all-time great regular season last year, but you guys fall 28 to 12 and you mentioned it, you know, there is there's starting to be like a knock going against Jackson because he has yet to win a playoff game. A knock that I don't want to put on him too much because he is still very, very young. But Take me back to that playoff game when you guys lost against the Titans and how much pressure is it for not only Jackson, but the Ravens as a whole to not only be better than it was last year, but if they lose, let's say if they go 13 and four this year, because you guys went 14 and three, say if you guys go 13 and four and and you guys make it to the AFC championship game and fall short, will you consider that a lost season for the Ravens? I think it depends. Mark Ingram went on record recently and said that it's Super Bowl or bust for this Ravens team in 2020. And I agree to an extent. But honestly, I think the most important thing, and I guess the minimum threshold I would set for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson in particular, if we're talking about it, is to just win that first elusive playoff game. I think that's a hump that he needs to get over. I think it gets in his head a little bit. And that's something that I think he's going to work on improving coming into 2020. I mean, going back to that Titans game, Lamar Jackson did almost everything in his power to win that game. He had over 500 total yards of offense just by himself. He had 143 yards on the ground. Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards on the ground, the two running backs on the team, had 42. So Lamar Jackson almost had so much more production than them. Plus, you look at him through the air, he went 31 of 59 for 365 yards, did throw two interceptions, but also had a touchdown. Lamar Jackson dropped back over 70 times in that game. Greg Roman got away from what the Ravens were trying to do on offense the entire year and what helped them succeed so much, and that was run the football. Now, Mark Ingram was injured. Mark Andrews was injured, and that contributed to one of Lamar Jackson's interceptions because Mark Andrews just couldn't jump high enough. But I think the pressure on the Ravens right now is now they have that target on their back. They used to play from the shadows. They used to be the underdogs, and that's how they thrived. When the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012, just to go back to the most recent Super Bowl, they were the four seed. They weren't this number one all-time great team. They came and they won, you know, from the shadows. Now the Ravens have been not exposed, but they're now exposed to more pressure from media outlets. They have a lot of eyes on them now. And I think that for the Ravens, they'll call it a Super Bowl or bust year. I think the minimum threshold is they should win one playoff game. But honestly, if they don't win the Super Bowl, I think that they might have to do some retooling at certain positions. When you say certain positions, what do you think needs to get better in order for the Ravens to reach that next level? Well, for Baltimore, I think that if they didn't win the Super Bowl and they want to kind of elevate their roster, I think bringing in a stud wide receiver. Now, they have one of those in Marquise Hollywood Brown, who was actually playing with two screws in his foot last season, still put up seven Hmm. touchdowns as a rookie. And he was actually one of the performers who showed up in that Tennessee game, had seven receptions for 126 yards. But for the Ravens, they are very young at that receiver group. Their oldest guys on that roster are DeAnthony Thomas and Willie Sneed at the wide receiver position. They're 27 years old. So obviously Antonio Brown's name has been thrown out there. And, you know, honestly, for me, I haven't really taken a stance on that. But you saw with the Arizona Cardinals, they went out and got DeAndre Hopkins. It was rumored the Ravens were interested in Hopkins. And now I don't know if Bill O'Brien just didn't want to trade him to, you know, an AFC team or if David Johnson was that attractive to him that he turned down a Ravens offer. 
But the Ravens seem to have been, you know, big game hunting at the receiver position all offseason. And right now, their top four receivers are going to be Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, and Devin Duvernay. That's a pretty young team and a pretty young receiver room at that. Another group that I think they could improve is the offensive line. Marshall Yonder retired at the end of 2019. They have bookend tackles in Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown Jr. That's not the issue. On the interior of that line, the left guard, the center, the right guard, there's a lot of uncertainty if that group can't hold up, if the players who end up being selected from a pretty deep class of guys, young guys who are on that roster right now, I think the Ravens are going to bring in some veterans, maybe trade for a guy, draft a high pick in the first round. If the Ravens don't win the Super Bowl, I'd look for those two positions to be addressed next offseason. Hmm. And I'm flipping over to the other side of the ball. You know, the the Ravens had a pretty solid defense last year. Um, do you think the defense, the moves that they made this offense, do you think the defense is a lot better this year than it was last season? Because it seems like you guys' defense was pretty good, but, you know, here come the playoff game and Derrick Henry just went off. You guys could not stop the run game for anything. Yeah, that, that's putting it nicely. Uh, Derrick Henry did a lot of things to Baltimore that wasn't wasn't expected, to be honest. He went for 195 yards on 30 carries, just absolutely obliterated the Ravens' front. Now, I think that the moves they made really help in that regard. They went out, they trade for Calais Campbell, who's, you know, an all-pro guy. He's very good at getting to the quarterback, but he's also a big body. He is so tall. He weighs a ton also. He's a big guy in the middle of that defense who last year the Ravens were playing Chris Warmly at his spot, and Warmly couldn't generate pressure, wasn't really getting to the quarterback. He was an okay run defender, but you replace that with Campbell, who's a veteran. He knows the game of football. Production is still there. The Ravens probably still have, you know, two more years of his prime. They signed him to an extension, so they have him through the 2021 season. Then, obviously, the deal with Michael Brockers, they try to sign him to be another big body. That deal falls through. So what do they do? They go out and they sign Derek Wolf. Now, Wolf is a guy who's intriguing because you can put him at a position like defensive tackle. You can put him at defensive end. He's versatile and he can go all over the field. So for Baltimore, what they're most likely going to be playing with in 2020 on the front is Brandon Williams at nose tackle, who actually played defensive tackle in 2019 because Michael Pierce, who was also a nose tackle, was there with him. They wanted to get both their stud nose tackles on the field, and Brandon Williams had a down year playing out of position. Brandon Williams moves back into position at nose tackle, where he is the pro bowler and I think plays his best football. Then you have Derek Wolf as a smaller defensive tackle, and then Calais Campbell is your defensive end. That's a lot better of a lineup, in my opinion, than Pierce, Williams, and Warmly. So I think that in 2020, the Ravens wanted to make sure that they were not going to let Derrick Henry or any other running back, for that matter, run all over them. And I think they did a pretty good job of addressing that. Before I let you go real quick, how fun was it to get a chance to watch Lamar Jackson do the things that he did in 2019 for a full season? It, it was honestly, it was very fun. And the reason I say <laughs> that, I mean, that's probably putting it as an understatement. It was it was magical. Lamar Jackson took this Ravens team. They had had Joe Flacco as their quarterback ever since 2008. And I'm not going to say anything bad about Joe Flacco. I'm a Joe Flacco fan. But with the Ravens, the offense looks very different now than what it did when Joe Flacco was playing the quarterback position. Joe Flacco obviously took this team to a championship. And the contributions he made to Baltimore on and off the field, you know, 
that's something that Baltimore will be forever grateful to have. But sometimes, you know, towards the end of his Ravens tenure, the offense got very stagnant. It was, you know, six-yard checkdowns or screens on third and 11s. It was just not, the ball was not moving. With Lamar Jackson, you have this element of fun, this element of electricity. You never really know what's going to happen on any given play. You add Mark Ingram into that offense. I mentioned Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. I mean, the way that the Ravens are kind of taking this pass-heavy offensive NFL league and just kind of saying, well, we don't want to do that. We want to do our own thing. And are just running the football and running it really well. I think that it speaks to Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, and his creativity. I think having a defense that can hold those leads. And, you know, Lamar Jackson didn't play in a bunch of fourth quarters that game against the Texans. You know, that was one where he didn't play a lot in the fourth quarter. So with Lamar Jackson, his ability to just do magical things. You know, I look back at the spin move he made on Nick Vigil against Cincinnati mm. Bengals. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a laundry list of, you know, juke moves and ankle breakers that I, that I could list off. But with Lamar Jackson, he's a joy to watch. And I think it'll be even better to watch him in 2020 with the improvements that I think he's going to make. Once again, that was Kevin Allstriker, host of Locked On Ravens. And unfortunately, I do not have the Texans winning that game against the Baltimore Ravens. I would love to see the Texans get some revenge on that awful blowout victory the Ravens got over the Texans last season. But only time will tell. Locked On Texans only on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, Spotify, and all of your favorite podcast streaming services. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.